You are now listening to Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gap. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. <laughs> Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab. And today's narrating will be Todd Fox. Yes, right. But before we get into our latest episode, we want to let you guys know where you can find us. Before we get started, if my voice sounds a little hoarse, bear with me. Something, I don't know, if there's something stuck in my throat, pulse. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) excuse me. So, yeah, it's making my voice kind of crack. So, I apologize in advance. But let's get back to the show. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and um, YouTube. Just type in Grinding True Crime. There you can find our page, like our page, subscribe to our page, leave a comment on our page, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. You can also listen to us on your podcast stream. Just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podmine, along with Zencaster. And for those listening to us outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. If you like what you hear and you want to become a Patreon member, you can do so exclusively on Podbean. Uh, there you can uh, become a Patreon member. Uh, Patreon member, uh, we support everything that you do. And we uh, want to thank you guys for the ones that are already Patreon members. So we want to thank you for that. Um, listener's discretion is advised because we do get into details and might not be suitable for a certain audience. <laughs> so listener's discretion is advised. Also, we're going to have merchandise on the way pretty soon, so be on the lookout for that. Um, we'll announce when we're going to start uh, launching it, but merchandise is on the way soon. Okay. <clears throat> With all that being said, I think I got everything, correct? Mm-hmm. I think so. All right. We thank you guys once again. Well, let me stop talking because I sound like a horse. So I'm gonna let Top Fox <laughs> take over so he can uh, do his episode for tonight. Top Fox, you have the floor. All right, thanks, Matt. Uh, it's a good thing you're not a horse because we'd have to take you out behind the barn and put you out of your misery. You know, the voice you, is back. You're being, you're being very disrespectful, sir. Either that or give you a basketball and you can play in the WNBA. But uh, that's a story for another day. You're being very disrespectful. <laughs> you're being very disrespectful. You made me lose my voice right now. <laughs> All right. So as you know, last week's story was in Colorado and I figured, you know what, let's do a two for one. Let's stay in Colorado. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're back in Colorado, but this time we're on the Western case. Say again. Is it a Kenda case? It is one that he reviewed. He wasn't one of his cases, but it's one that he reviewed. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So this one's in Aurora, Colorado. And um, it's it's not the it's it's close to the big metropolis of Denver, Colorado as well. Um, I've been there. 
Yeah, Aurora, Colorado has a population of about 386,000 uh, people. Um, it's known for its World War II Army Hospital from when the GIs would come back from horrific injuries or whatever, rehabilitation, big time surgeries, things like that. Mm. Um, <clears throat> also, the Lawry uh, Air Force Base, I think I'm saying that right, and the Buckley Air Force Base are over there as well. Um, it's known as is a pretty damn safe city um but you wouldn't think of you wouldn't think of it because uh of what's gone on there and if you think of aurora uh, colorado um it's been the site of two mass shootings um you had columbine columbine high schools in aurora um it's where two students back in uh the early 90s uh, uh killed 12 students and one teacher and had pipe bombs that did not thankfully go off um, that would have killed a lot more kids. Um, then you also had the 2012 mass shooting and the premiere of Dark Knight Rises, the Christopher mm, Nolan series. That. Yeah. Uh, James Holmes dressed up like the Joker and came in with a um, semi-automatic or I think it was an automatic uh, or AK or something. I, f- I forgot what he came in there with. So don't kill me for not knowing the right weapon. But uh, he killed 12 people and injured 70. So, I remember that. Wasn't that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Wasn't that the movie theater? Yeah, the, he came in the movie theater of the Dark Knight Rises, the premiere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, he shot the whole place up. Um, But this would be another incident um, that would make Colorado famous. And this was a case that was solved not too long ago. So this was in the news not too long ago. Um, So let's let's get it started. Uh, But we're going to go back in time. We're going to go back to the year 1984. Ooh, so you were the only one born. (laughs) Yeah, I was four years old, punk. Uh, hey. <laughs> my sister was born. <laughs> you guys are jerks. I'm always the oldest one in the world now. You are. <laughs> we came a couple of years later. Yes. That's what she said. Um, so Whoa. January January 4th, 1984, um, was any particular night in the Colorado area. Uh, watching TV late that night was James Hobbins' child. Um, he was 22 years old. That's his name? <laughs> Yeah. That's his name. Hobbins Child, yeah. It's the last okay. name. Hobbins. Yeah. Hobbins the bird. Hobbins Child. <laughs> so I'm making fun of his name. It was just very unique. Yeah, it's very unique. There's a lot of unique names in this one. So I believe you. That's yeah. one of them. That is definitely one of them. Um so he's twenty two years old. Uh he took out the trash, um, but he forgot to shut the garage door, you know. He has one of these homes that it's like, you know, you have the exit from the kitchen or the hallway to the garage and the garage outside. So sometimes I've been guilty of it. I have one of those at my house, too, but just not the door to the house. But when I go back into the house, sometimes I forget to shut the garage door. And it's just, you know, Mm -hmm. your mind gets in a trance or whatever. You forget to do it. I have it. Yeah. So this is about late at night that night. And um, he went back inside, and this will take you back to the 80s. A friend of his was a workout fiend and owned his own um, gym and wanted him to make a mixtape for him. So he was making a mixtape on an actual actual cassette player at the time. So he had his headphones on, 
Ah, the mixtapes. Yep. He was making a, an aerobic workout, you know, for, for that dude's class, um, you know, soundtrack. So as he's doing that, um, he's sitting in the easy chair, turns off his TV, and then um, halfway through it, he's getting a little tired. It is late, and he just knocks out. Mm. But he wakes up to his head ringing. Someone hits him over the head with a hammer. Oh. Ouch. Yeah. So his next instinctive move is to put his hand up to stop the second blow. The problem is the second blow is coming from the claw uh, handle part of the hammer. Ouch. So it goes directly into his hand. And then it's Mm. yanked right back out by the person swinging it at him. So then his wife, who was upstairs at this time, she was asleep. She came running down after she heard him scream and heard the first, you know, hit. And I don't know. I mean, it's hard to picture this, but she comes down the stairs and immediately he just takes the hammer and just launches it like and throws it at her, her head and just clocks her right upside the head. and she just hits the floor and knocks the hell out and then he's trying to like look at his hand because it's like all like inflamed and there's like a chunk missing and the dude just gets freaked and the perpetrator runs out the way he came in which was through the the entryway to the house from the garage so yeah so she was concussed right away and James calls, you know, the police department. His wife, Kim, is, you know, on the ground. Um, the police come. And here's the thing. <clears throat> now, we don't know what was what she was thinking at the time. It's hard to picture things. Things must have happened so fast. But like I said, as soon as she came down the stairs, she says that the last thing she remembered is a black guy hitting her and it's dark it's like pitch black the dude was making the mixtape with his walkman or whatever he had um little stereo right there in the easy chair it's dark and james didn't even get a view of he he never saw the person because he was just trying to he was looking at the hammer so he mm-hmm. he couldn't tell what race the dude was but she was like in emphatical she's like it's a black guy it's gotta be a black guy mm-hmm. and, and so that's what the police were going off of. So they were looking for a suspect that was, you know, he left a shoe print outside, had a, like a size nine, size 10, a black guy. But they went through the neighborhood and that neighborhood's mostly white and nobody, mm-hmm. saw, nobody saw a black guy. Nobody saw a black guy. It's late at night too, but there was a couple people outside and nobody saw a black guy. So it was like, Okay, well, you know, did he maybe exit another way? So the cops are kind of baffled right there. Mm. I think she got it wrong, huh? Well, we'll see. But that's you guys. So, so do you think she got it wrong too, Matt? I mean, it's the '80s. It was an easy choice to pick a black guy. No, I'm joking. Um, honestly, uh, I've been on Aurora. It wasn't too many of us, so I'm gonna say she was wrong. Okay, yeah, you're you're playing the percentages. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Colorado's not known for its uh, its black population. Just saying, it's, not at all. It's mostly white. 
I'm not uh, saying nothing about it. It's no, there's nothing. Place. You know, I'm just yeah. yeah. It's just the 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 makeup of the area. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I love Colorado. Yeah. Uh, so now we fast forward six days. It's January 10th of 1984, and Donna Dixon, she's in her garage getting ready to get into her house, and the same kind of setup with this house. You know, park the car in the garage, get your belongings out, walk five or six steps to the door, go up a step or two, and into your house from the garage. That's what anyone would do in that situation. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, she doesn't mm-hmm. make it out of her car very far, maybe two and a half steps before she's hit over the back of the head with a hammer. Ooh. Donna Dixon, at the age of 28, hits the floor. And before she can realize it, she's then hit again with a mm. hammer two or three more times, including one time with a claw hammer in the back of the neck. Ouch. Yeah. <clears throat> she's on the floor. And then again, like Matt said at the beginning of this episode, listener discretion is advised. Um, there is a savage rape that takes place oh. after she is unconscious. And he violates her with himself and also the hammer. Yeah. And then he left her for dead as he left outside the the, uh, garage. The um, police were notified after um, a neighbor stumbled upon her lifeless body on the ground. And... Basically, they ran. They ran over there and tried to get her. Uh, what is it called? Um, they tried to to, to see it's if they could find the assailant, but and then they tried to revive her. And, and actually, their efforts worked. Oh wow! Yeah, they took her to the trauma center, and she actually made it. Wow! Yeah, uh, he thought she was dead, but he he knocked her cold out. Um. So these two, these two cases, I mean, would you say with the, the MO with, I mean, a gun is one thing, you know, people use different guns or whatever, but these are two hammer attacks in two same similar homes. The only difference with this one is there's, there's a rape and there in both instances, including this one, the perpetrator had time to ransack the house or to ransack her purse. Nothing was taken. So, <laughs> yeah, taken. So and similar, huh? Exactly. And the police, the police were like, "Oh, these are these are isolated instances." What? They didn't connect the two. Isn't it obvious? Six days apart. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and and again, I mean, look. If you have a hammer attack in California, that's usually probably the only hammer attack that's going to happen for a while or, or that it's going to be like in one area. It's You might not have another hammer attack in the United States for a day or two. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, yeah. it's, it's rare. And this is within six days and in the same city. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Almost not doing their job. Mm-mm. Yes, as you'll find out in this one, there is an awful lot of Johnsons working these cases. We haven't had some in a while. No, <laughs> yeah, the last couple were good, but uh, these, uh, yeah, I don't know what they were thinking. 
I, I, I honestly don't know. So, like I said, Donna, despite her injuries, would go on and survive. But, of course, she would have a little bit of brain loss because of the blows to the head. And she would also suffer some severe PTSD over the years. Oh, so, absolutely. So, so, poor thing had to rehab and, and everything. Just well, but, she never got a chance to see this guy, huh? Um, no. No. She she was hit from behind, so she has no idea. Um, and that sucks. Yeah. And and here's here's the worst part of it. So this is January 10th we're talking about, right? And mm-hmm. um that was around the morning time. We're talking seven hours later now, same day. Oh, no. Same day. The assailant is not done. So it's uh it's it's towards the evening time, and it's the next city over, which is like, you know downy to cerritos or whatever it's like right next door Mm -hmm. um so in a smaller city called lakewood colorado uh patricia louise smith age 50 was supposed Uh to be on her way to pick up her daughter at the bus station outside her job it was Mm -hmm. a routine for for the mother-daughter combination she would pick up her daughter in the evening time and then drive her over to the babysitter's house to pick up her kids so sherry was her daughter and uh, she would pick up her two kids. However, the mom didn't come at the agreed upon time. And she was out there in the cold waiting for her mom. So then she called one of her coworkers to see if they can give her a ride home. And they were able to and also pick up her kids. So she picked up her kids on the way home, but then asked the coworker, can you please stop by my mom's house? I, I've got to check on her because it's not like her for, for her not to pick up and for her not to be here. She's always punctual so the co-worker was like okay i'll take you to the house so they arrive at patricia's house and as they pulled up they looked up to the second story of the the condominium or the house and they could see like there was a tv on so she's like well maybe mom fell asleep or something and then she looked over towards the garage and the garage was half open and then she looks at the front door, the lights are on. So she's like, well, let me walk up. I have a spare set of keys. You know, I'll just, I'll, you know, cause she knocked on the door, she rang the doorbell and nobody answered. So mm-hmm. she then starts to bustle with the keys, starts to unlock the doors and her two small children are, they want to see grandma. They're all excited. They don't know what's really going on. And they burst into the door before the mom could grab them, Sherry. And they stumble upon their grandma on the floor in a pool of blood. She has a Winnie the Pooh blanket draped over her head. And there's blood everywhere. So right away, Sherry grabs her. She screams and she grabs her kids and she walks outside and then to the neighbor's house to call 911 because you don't know if the perpetrator's still in the house. Mm -hmm. So it was a horrific scene. Um, 911's called, police get there, and a, se- and a senior detective was horrified to see that she had been bludgeoned over and over in the head. Mm. And, and the weapon was still there. It was the hammer, and the claw end of the hammer was sticking out of her out of her skull. Oh. Yo. Yeah. What a horrible vision for those kids. Yeah, I mean... It was bad enough that, I mean, they didn't thankfully see the head wounds, 
but they did see the pool of blood in their grandma on her stomach. And the also, the also, also another bad part of this is the fact that her pants and panties were pulled down to her ankles. She had been sexually. Yep. Okay. <sighs> I don't know. This seems like somebody like what's the Richard Ramirez type guy, kind of like a homeless person or, or someone who's in the neighborhood and the low life and just an opportunist. Like a scumbag, huh? Yeah. He has that ammo. And, and here's the thing with it, too. Like her purse was right there. It was emptied out. But from what her daughter said, only a few dollars were missing. Like there wasn't like she had still her jewelry on. Um, she had some pretty nice things throughout the house and nothing was taken or taken. Taken? Taken? <laughs> Either one. Whatever you want to put in there. But whatever yeah. floats your boat. Exactly. We do that on the show. <laughs> exactly. We're educated. <laughs> <laughs> we, we took in the wrong way of English. But uh, yeah. um, um, no, seriously, like that sounds like to me, you know, like, like a crackhead, you know, or a meth head or someone who's just want to get a quick fix and take an opportunity is to get some from a, you know, essentially a dead corpse. And I don't know. I don't think I'm not saying, um, a normal human being would do, would not do something like that, but that just screams someone that's like a transient or something like on drugs on drugs or something. Yeah, you would think so. You'd think the police would be looking for people that were just out of place in the neighborhood, you know? Yeah. And yeah, but if that was the case, then it would be sporadic. Like, it wouldn't be within the same neighborhoods. Yeah, because this was a city over. And remember, remember how many times, like, you guys have done a case, I've done a case where it's like the police never work with each other, even mm-hmm. if they're in the very next town? Mm-hmm. Well, this is Lakewood. Yeah, this is Lakewood. And they did not contact Aurora or any other agency to say, hey, we got something here. Does anyone else know of anything? I don't know why they don't do that. Um, I mean, damn competition. Yeah, I know. I know they got jurisdictions and, you know, our side is better than your side. But you're serving the people who who, what what doesn't matter. Yeah, it's about saving lives. It's about saving lives and protecting and serving the people or the country, however you want to look at it. So put your pride aside. Put your badge aside wherever it may be and try to help these people out i couldn't agree more i mean and this is a thing i mean thankfully they have rules and regulations to now they have to do that especially after 9 11 mm-hmm. but back then this was this was the way they did things like you guys were saying the you know egos <laughs> and not wanting to share information so <clears throat> you know lives could have been saved back then from our stories that we've done i'm not saying we you know, could have saved lives, but I'm just saying, if, if they would have done that, you know, called another jurisdiction or uh, this town over, so many countless of lives could have been saved. Yeah, they could have stopped some of these serial killers like halfway through their their demonistic ways. You know. Mm-hmm. So this was again 1984. You're a good mm, seven to eight years away from the very pre-dawn, you know, uh, of the DNA. Mm-hmm. But they did collect some DNA samples, which is key for later on. <clears throat> okay. you know, blood and then also semen. Um, but there was no fingerprints. That was one thing they were looking for. <clears throat> they figured the guy must have had gloves on. <clears throat> so, and maybe that's why he didn't take things either. He didn't want to leave fingerprints or whatever. 
But uh, yeah, they, so they they took the DNA and everything else like that, but you know, or at least the the semen samples, blood samples, and stuff, and that was it. So, and here's the other thing. So now you have two occurrences in Aurora, and you have one in Lakewood. It's in the Denver, Colorado area. This should have been reported to the media, and the media, the newspapers, it was kept quiet. Nobody knew of these attacks. <clears throat> So that's the thing that's going to be a problem because maybe if you also let the people know, hey, make sure your doors and garage doors are locked or closed, maybe some of these other things wouldn't take place. Agreed. Yeah. So the detectives, though, do say that this person or persons have done this before and that they're very, very dangerous. Yet again, Hey, that guy's very dangerous. Should we tell the people? Nah, it's okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, that's right. how that's how it went down, you know. Back to watching some old Perry Mason, you know, like I don't get it. Why they gotta watch Perry Mason? Well, it was popular at the time during the eighties. <laughs> that is stupid, though. Like you, you got somebody breaking into people's homes, just walking in, killing them. Like you gotta let people know. You would think so. That should be breaking news. Should be. And newspapers were a thing back then, and they, they would have taken that and run, ran with it, you know what I mean? But, um... <laughs> what? No, I'm laughing because every time he says, took it, no laughing. Because I have a feeling someone on our comments is going to say, it's taken. <laughs> you know, someone's probably doing a shot you know, contest. Every time he says "tooken," we're gonna take a shot. <laughs> that, should, that should be good. That should be a good one for the listeners. Seriously. There you go. Um, so now here's a, here's a part that I can't joke about. And and unfortunately, you know, I gotta, you gotta be totally hundred percent serious. We've been pretty serious this entire episode, but this one, um, this one's brutal. And again, listener discretion is advised. There is crimes against children in this one. Oh, yeah. So I, I apologize in advance, but this is just what happened. Um, so Constance Bennett, um is is the uh aunt right here and she's outside the city outside of lakewood and and aurora about 10 or 15 minutes away her brother is uh and her um what is it called Uh, her brother bruce and deborah um got a uh you know worked for her uh, family business which was a furniture company right and her nephew, uh, or uh, their nephew, was was Bruce. Let, let me start over. I messed up. So Constance <laughs> has <laughs> okay. a brother that runs the furniture company. It's been in the family for a while, and her mm-hmm. kids, or her one of her kids, is Bruce. That's her son, mm-hmm. which is her brother's nephew. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> and um, he's married to a woman named Deborah. And they both work for the family business. Now, however, that particular morning on on uh, January 16th, we're just six days away from the last attack. They do not show up to work because they worked at the same time, same place, same furniture store. So, so their uncle, which is Constance's brother, calls mm-hmm. Constance and says, hey, do you know where your son and daughter-in-law are at? I tried calling them. It's not like them. They didn't come in. They're a no call, no show. What the heck's going on? Is everything okay? Do I need to know something? 
So Constance right away had a sinking feeling in her stomach. And like any other mother would react, she just told her boss, I'm going, I, I have to go home. I have to check on my son. And, you know, and her son's 27. She's around 50. You know, she just has a sinking feeling. So it's Bruce Allen Bennett. That's her son, 27 years old. Um, his wife, Deborah Lynn Bennett, 26-year-old. Uh, they have two daughters, Melissa Marie Bennett, seven years old, and Vanessa Bennett, three years old. So Constance takes off, drives the 20-minute drive in 10 minutes, gets there, immediately sees the garage is open. The door is ajar, so that's already a bad sign. Mm. Here's a tough part. When she stepped inside of the house, she looked to the left where the stairs are leading up to the upstairs floor. She sees her son with his leg twisted between the um, stairway and his head cocked back to the side. His throat had been slit. Uh. He had a claw hammer mark to his face that had dislodged his jaw. From, oh yeah, yo! And he had two to three puncture wounds in his head. Ugh. Oh my god! The force that you have to pull. Yeah. Ooh. So he's he's tangled on his back, lying on the bottom of the stairs, with his arms stretched out to the right, like he's trying to grab somebody probably his last move he's trying to stop whoever it was from getting upstairs to the rest of his family Mm. so adrenaline's taking control of Constance at this moment and she doesn't know whether or not to go upstairs because she's horrified of what she may see number one and number two she doesn't know if the assailant's still there so she instinctively just screams out for the kids and for his wife Deborah but nobody says a thing and it's eerily quiet. So she just runs outside, starts screaming to where she gets the attentions of the neighbors and then they call 911. And just minutes later, police would rush into the home and find Deborah laid out on their bed in their room with several wounds to the head. She's passed away. Then they get to the bunk where the two children are And here's where it gets really rough. Mm. On the bottom bunk, the seven-year-old has been hit over the head multiple times. And her pants and underwear are pulled down. She had been raped. We got to kill this dude. The three-year-old, there's blood coming from the top of the bunk. And when the police go to check her, she gurgles. She's still alive. So right away, they put her in the police car and they rush her to the trauma center. So they're working on the three-year-old, but the police are pissed at this moment. Oh, man. Because of what happened to the three and the four, you know, the other other child. Yeah, and who would do this, you know? So right away now, you can't keep this out of the media. The media is flocking all over. Uh, the police are, you know, are hearing it from the, because uh, now they're finding out there's been some other attacks. And they're like, well, do we link these up? Or are they the same? 
they don't know about the Lakewood one yet. This is a, another Aurora one. And now they're like, it has to be the same. Another claw hammer has been left at the scene of the crime. There's no fingerprints. And they're just, you know, the captain's yelling at the rest of the police officers, like, you better get something going. And they're like, well, we've got to call the FBI and this is, this is over our heads. This one's crazy, you know? And, um, it's not, it's, they're trying to figure out when this happened because there's a huge timeline because the last person that talked with them was around nine, 10 o'clock at night on January 15th, the night before. And it could have been one of those things where they opened up the garage, went to throw out the trash or just didn't close the garage. And then the perpetrator came in and then no one checked on them to the morning time. So it could have been any, any time over the night or the morning, you know, so they have no idea. Man. Are they communicating now with other people? Like, not quite yet. No, you got to man. When, come on, man. So the autopsies were rushed because they wanted to find out as much information as they possibly could, if they could use that, and hopefully finding the perpetrator. They found out that Bruce had been hit sixteen times with a hammer. Oh, sixteen over the head, plus his throat slit. I wonder if the the claw uh, last uh, uh, slit his throat, or did he have a knife? Uh, from everything I looked at, there was never a knife found, and this maniac okay. never used a knife, so it probably was the claw hammer. Gosh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You got to be hitting somebody with some force. But to have that many blows, like this guy fought. Yeah. Like yeah. he was not going down easy if he hit him that many times. Yeah, and it's not known where he was first attacked, but it's theorized that he was attacked somewhere else, but then he tried to like slow the perpetrator down from getting upstairs. That's so that's why he wound up on the stairs. I commend him, you know, for trying, you know, on his last breath trying to protect his friend. Yep. Oh, his it. his wife was struck 11 times she probably didn't even know what hit her well no actually she did she had um five of which were over the head that finished her off but she took six to the shoulder and the ribs so and the arm so it was mostly like a defensive like hey Uh, i mean so they likely were woken up by the initial attack you know probably by them down by bruce and the perpetrator and then and then, unfortunately, they just had to wait till they, he came up or whatever, you know. So, man, yeah, that sucks, dude. Melissa, um, Melissa suffered seven blows to the head, and she was raped. The little girl. That's the seven-year-old. The seven-year-old, yeah. See that that that's where I have a problem, man. Like, you know, it's bad enough you murdered a little child, but then you decide to do something that heinous mm-hmm. raping them like yeah man nah couldn't do it yeah he's gotta go he gotta go his balls gotta go first and the wing yep no morphine just straight yeah not nah, straight nope hammer to the head I don't care bro nobody needs morphine if you deserve to have your wing cut off you don't need morphine trust that's sick, man. Yeah. So, what a big. And, and this guy hit the little girl um, 
three times, Vanessa. So she was hit over the head three times with a hand. Who is this dude? It's not even a dude. Who's this monster? Yeah, I mean, look, here. here's the thing, too. And the police are trying to get, like, a task force together. You know, they're trying to, like, get the FBI involved. But in the meantime, the, because of what happened with James in the first one, Mm-hmm. And his when his wife saying it was a black guy, they put out in the news we're looking for a a black guy in a hammer attack, and then we're looking for hippies or transients in this in these other attacks. So it's, oh it's, my god, yeah. they yeah. don't realize it's the same person. Nope. What does it take for that? I mean, come on, a child could figure that out. Yep. It just so so the media is starting to run with this, and they're pushing the issue. They're the ones that actually get the police to work together, because they start investigating and telling the police to check other agencies for other cases in the surrounding areas. And lo and behold, Lakewood pops up with a murder of of the other woman, and all of a sudden now the same mo. Now you can link it to Aurora. And the Denver police are like, hey, do we need to take control of this? Because you guys are, you know, dropping the ball, you know, like and the media is pressuring everything. So the FBI would then would then come in and they set up a task force, brought in a bunch of agencies and they started to have um, nightly watches and they would ramp up. They were thinking on the sixth day, you know, January 22nd, we got to be ready because this dude strikes every six days. What if what if we're not ready? So they put a, an unmarked car or, you know, they had people in random neighborhoods looking for anybody suspicious. They were arresting people. If they, if they were out at night and didn't look like they were in the right place, they were innocent people. They were just like, dude, we got to catch this guy. We got to stop him. And they would go on to interview over 500 people or potential suspects. Jeez. I wonder, like, like carpenters or you know your handyman's around there. Were they targeted? Oh yeah, I, I I bet you they 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 got anyone that looked anywhere out of place or looked like they were phony. I mean, they were they were pulling over and taking everybody because they were like, dude, we can't have this happen again. You know, like we got to stop whoever's doing this. Mm-hmm. But and I bet none of those five hundred people were him. You're absolutely correct. None of them were. Now. As we transition in this story, we're going to talk about Vanessa right now. Here's the thing that really sucks. So, obviously, Vanessa lost her sister. She lost her mother. She lost her father. She would go on through to live with various family members, um, you know, because she had some uncles and aunts and obviously her grandma. But that's tough. You know, you, you lose your family. They're, 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 you know, you're... So she had... Because obviously being beaten as severely as she was at the age of three had a lot of PTSD trauma. She had to go to a lot of uh, hospitals and, you know, get treatment and get better over time. She had, you know, some, some uh, physical ailments she had to work through. Um, And here's where it sucks, you know, growing up in the late eighties, early nineties, she tried to have friends, you know, when she would live with various family members through school and you know any girl around 12 13 years old wants to have a sleepover and Mm -hmm. 
here's what the kids told her when she wanted to have a sleepover. You can't spend the night at our house because the evil hammer man will come get us like he tried to come get you and your family. That's jacked up. So not only does she have the PTSD, she has to deal with kids rubbing in her face that her family was wiped out and that maybe she's the the curse and the evil hammer man will take, you know, will kill them too. I know they're kids, but man, kids can say some evil things, man. Oh, yeah. This can be pricks. Absolutely. And she would find this out if she went into high school. Those same kids she grew up with in high school, nobody wanted to be around her. There was a stigma around her. The only kids that would accept her would be your high school stoners. And she got into drugs and addicted to drugs because of the crap that she went through, the fact that the the perpetrator was still out there and as the years what's that all the rejection i'm saying yeah i mean she went through it all and to numb her pain drugs were the only outlet and those were the only friends that accepted her for who she was i mean unfortunate uh, that that was her path but you know I'm not saying it, it um it's the only solution she had, but it seemed that way because no one else wanted to kick it with her. You wanna kick it with somebody, you wanna feel accepted and for her to be accepted by them and you know, you wanna be in a crowd. So it just sucks that it happened to be them. Absolutely. Yeah. And well remind me to tell you about like well, I'll just tell you now, like she's been through so much, you know, obviously. And she looks 10 years older today than what she should look like because of, you know, not only was she addicted to drugs, she got into heavy stuff like meth and cocaine and Mm. was living on the streets, um, all kinds of stuff, got arrested and everything. So, I mean, she, this man destroyed her life as well, you know, obviously now she's, she's recovering addict and, and she's, you know, on her feet and stable now but those years that she spent tortured you know she's another casualty big time yeah um but in 2007 this case would be one of the most famous cases in the denver colorado area that was unsolved and various agencies began taking a look at it as dna progressed and they were able to withdraw some dna from the mattress of uh, Deborah's house and they in 2007 they were definitively able to realize it was not a black man not a black man so that threw Kim's uh, statements out of the way because not only did they find out it wasn't a black male but when they tested uh, stuff over at their house because they found some trace uh, blood from that person you know in the scuffle with him and James um, that one wasn't a black man either and it was the same blood type too so they were like okay this is in the same uh dna it's the same dude so they were they already knew these cases were linked together but now they had definitive that they were all linked together by the same guy so um they were testing dna at the other ones and in 2018 which is pretty crazy if you look it up um 
Parabon Nano Labs, which is one of those famous DNA labs, um, in 2018 they were able to get a computer animated look of what the person would look like with the DNA. Mm-hmm. And it, man, it that's looks, crazy. That is crazy. It looks dead on to the real guy. Like it's like, yeah, it's right there, except with a lip, because he has this like cocky looking like lowered lip like he's always kind of like half smiling that's the only part on the computer animation that didn't make it look like a hundred percent but technology man yeah dude it was crazy so it gave the police a little bit to look at now for whatever reason here's the <laughs> so we're, we're years into because you guys know what CODIS is right Isn't yeah the, the, yeah yeah. Yeah, the national, the national uh, DNA. Uh, yeah, da- database for uh, yeah. offenders. So basically, if you commit a felony, if I commit a felony tomorrow, they automatically take my DNA. They enter it into the system. So mm-hmm. if something I've done in the past, you know, they can yeah. just it'll pop up. Yeah, it'll pop up automatically. Or if, if, or if they're looking for my DNA in like Germany, they'll find they'll find me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm screwed. Um, so. For whatever reason, his DNA hadn't been run in CODIS when it had been on CODIS for years. Mm. And so when they decided, hey, let's just run for the hell of it, run his DNA in CODIS, bam, it popped up. Wow. It popped up as being on file. So who is this guy? Who Who is the guy that's done all this BS to these people? And that would be one Alex Christopher Ewing. Alex Christopher Ewing. Yes, this is a career criminal. This guy's been in and out of jail for years. You know, he's he's been a bad seed, dude. And he was able to escape the cracks for that many years. Yeah, but there was there was an issue though. The, the so he wasn't exactly see none of it he never popped up in Colorado and then always bothered the police and the FBI because they were like what if he got either killed or what if he fled the state which they felt he did and he actually did when they turned up the heat he got out of there mm. but they were like is he incarcerated and they should have did a better job finding out if he was incarcerated because they would have found him he was incarcerated because 11 days after he killed that family, he was over in Arizona and he broke into the house, Kingman, Arizona, to be exact, of 31-year-old Roy Williams. And he breaks into the house and just like James, as Roy is sleeping, he wakes him up with a hammer shot over the head. Ooh. But Roy saves his own life without even knowing it. He rolls over with his head gushing blood and starts to pray and tells, you know, Ewing, hey, why are you doing this? I'm, you know, he's pleading for his life, but telling him, you know, God loves you. And he's just like saying all these things and pleading for his life at the same time. Ewing just drops the hammer and runs. So he leaves. And, wow. and Roy's just sitting there with a massive head wound. I mean, he took a massive shot over the head. Like one more shot probably killed him. Jeez. Yeah. So he's on the floor and he's able to roll over and call the police. The police are out looking for a man, you know, that's possibly bloody, a white male. 
and uh, you know, one of the sheriffs is driving by, sees a guy walking a little funny. He asks him, "Hey, man, uh, do you know anything about uh, anybody? You know, a hammer attack or seen anyone run?" And as soon as he said that, the dude took off, and he chases Ewing for about you know he gets lost in the neighborhood, but they find him 30 minutes later. He's arrested. His uh, shoe prints match the crime scene, so he's screwed right there. Um, but here's where we have some uh, <laughs> some more of our awesome Johnsons. Hmm. So they, what, they <laughs> what happened? What they do? So what they do is they have they have a um, they find out when they run his file that he has multiple warrants up in Utah. And he's a he's he has for assault, for rape, um, a hammer a, attack up there. <laughs> so it's wow. like they're like, you know what? He's got more serious warrants. We'll take care of those first, and then we'll and then if we need to, we'll bring him back here and try to um, convict him for the attempted murder. Right? Yeah. So these brilliant officers they take two of them and instead of flying them up there they they take a van ride and they're driving in the van and he says i need to piss i need to piss so they pull over and you can guess what happens he runs he runs and gets away oh my god yeah he he got out take a piss trick (laughs) the baby stupider works every time (laughs) <laughs> so they, they like, how to get out of the van? You let them use the restroom, dummy. Oh yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Works so every time. This goofy Johnson needs to get his act together. I told you, there's a lot of Johnson in this one. Yes. And so um, he he literally <clears throat> um, goes to a coat hanger, tries to get clothes because that's how people used to dry their clothes. Throw them on the coat hanger after washing them. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's only able to get shorts. So he gets rid of the orange vest that he was wearing or the orange trench coat or whatever you want to call it. Not jumpsuit, but a jumpsuit. There you go. And um, he starts going through the neighborhood, knocking on doors. He'll say, oh, I'm a tow truck guy. I need to tow your car. Or, hey, I'm here. I'm a plumber. It's like, no, no, nobody with the services showing up shirtless. You know what I mean? (laughs) He was better off trying to offer him a magazine or something. Exactly. And uh, (laughs) I'm selling dictionaries. Um, So he was so so some neighbors started calling 911. And obviously, you know, they're like, oh, my God, we have a convict out there. It's got to be the guy. So all points bulletin. Here come all the cops into the neighborhood. But before he could, you know, get caught, he goes into Christopher Berry's house. He's 38 with his wife. 24 so good on christy 14 years younger that's that's awesome um but they have a, the heck up i'm just saying i'm just saying old, old todd sneaking <laughs> one in there. couldn't hold back i'm sorry um the todd yeah, shut up <laughs> it's just 10 years um so anyway <laughs> but um he 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 actually gets in the house because it's unlocked and some of these people unlock doors. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. I mean, you got to be more trust. You know, not not that trustworthy, but or trusting. Yeah. But yeah. um, yeah, unfor- correct yourself before somebody does. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, but the problem is, 
she has a small infant in her hands, so like less oh. than, less than a year old, and she's so just getting, she's getting the infant meal ready for him, and he storms in the house. He sees her. They lock eyes. She makes a beeline to the bedroom where her husband is, and her husband's just like sort of knocked out on the bed. He gets up right away, just as Ewing's trying to swing a piece of wood at her, and he kind of hits her. But she has the baby, and she kind of like lands on the bed, kind of rolls off the bed, but cradles the baby to where the baby's not thankfully hurt or the baby takes any kind of brunt other than maybe hitting the bed at first, the soft top of the bed. So all things I saw, the baby was not harmed whatsoever. Baby was fine. So he just took a shot to her back, protecting the baby, thankfully. Uh, the He's not anticipating the, a husband being there. So the husband and him get into a, um, what do you call it, a tussle. And then he's hit over the head, but then he's able to shield his wife and he flees out the front door. But really? Ewing, Ewing doesn't get too far. <laughs> he runs into the back forest area. Um, the, the FBI and police and... and uh, what is it? Police dogs uh, sniff him out of there uh, the next day. So he's, you know, so he gets, he gets arrested obviously right there. And uh, it's August 11th, 1984. When he goes to jail, he goes to a maximum security jail in Utah where he's found guilty of all the other charges that he would, uh, that he incurred or that he occurred uh, before with the warrants. And then also, uh, they didn't even try him for the one down in uh, Arizona because they felt he got enough years. He got 59 years at that time. Mm. So what? Why the hell didn't they pin everything? Because at that because at that point it was they didn't know about the stuff in Colorado, so they knew of a rape, they knew of an uh, uh, attempted murder and battery, plus um, what is it called? He was also uh, he stole some stuff, so he was caught there, um, and then. Then obviously the jail breaks, so he got 59 years at that point, and I think at that point he was uh, he was somewhere around his mid 30s at that time or early 30s. So they were figuring that would be a death sentence right there, but he was up for parole in 2021. <laughs> what? Yeah, and so he never got charged for Colorado. Well, here's the thing: he was thinking he was going to be let loose. And it would have been, you know, two years ago. However, in 2018, when when that when they had uh, the Panabon Nano Labs did that whole thing, and then they threw it into CODIS, he popped up in 2018, and right mm. away, all those homicides were linked to him. And uh, because of that, he was extradited to Denver. And in 20, uh, I think it was right after, yeah, it was uh, last year. Uh, 2022 i believe or the early part of 2022 was after covid calmed down they mm -hmm. uh they sentenced him to uh what is it three consecutive life sentences without parole they did link the murders to him and the uh, the attacks in, in uh aurora and lakewood however they did not seek the death penalty for whatever reason i don't know if that was the family's wishes but they did not seek the death penalty Mm, mm, mm. So, that's where Mr. Ewing is right now. He's rotting in prison in Denver. That guy's a parasite. They should have cut him. Yep. Oh, man. 
That was uh, the oldest please. unsolved case mm. in Denver. Dang. Well, Mr. Ewing got away lightly, in my opinion. I agree. He I'm deserved sorry. the worst of the worst. I'm sorry. When you, when you cause harm on children and do something like raping them, yeah, you you lose all you lose all the rights to me. That, that should be it for you. And here's the thing too. I mean, this guy was scum of the earth. I mean, like you use a weapon like that, like you want you want that kind of like um, just overkill type mentality. Like a gun is so like, I mean, guns are bad, too, obviously. But yeah, like you said, like it's. Usually, if you shoot someone in the head, that's it. You know, they don't feel nothing else. I mean, but you're, you're, the brutality of those attacks, man. I mean, again, like the seasoned veterans detective were, or the seasoned detectives that were veterans of the force were like, oh my God, this is like the worst thing we've ever seen. Yeah, he wanted to hurt people, he wanted to cause pain. Yep. Yep. He that's clearly got off of that. And the one thing he said too, because he didn't say much other than he never confessed to a lot of stuff. But the one thing he did say when they were interviewing him was that it, he would just look for an unlocked door or a open garage. And there was a few times where he was, he was either scared off because there's too many people in the home or just didn't look right. So there was potentially there could have been a a lot more victims or different victims and those people don't know how lucky they were why didn't he run up in someone's house with a and it was a ccw yeah mm. he got lucky sure did sure did and um you guys were right he was like a transient type dude low life you know oh you were right babe. he smelled like one i could smell him from 1984 <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But this guy, if you look him up, he's um he looks like a like a total a hole, like from the start. Like his earliest mug shots are like when he's like seventeen or eighteen. So he's just always been a scumbag. Um he was he's been accused of rape ever since his teens. Oh man. So what's his full name again? Uh Christopher oh, I had it right here. Hold on. Your name's Christopher Ewing or something? Yeah, it's it's uh Alex Christopher Ewing. Alex, yeah. Now, if he would have said, if he would have said Patrick, I'd have been like, "Hey, he's definitely black." <laughs> Jeez. Ewing. Ew. You see that little smirk on his face? Oh yeah. He's disgusting looking. He looks diabolical. Yeah. And he had the he had the um. He had an outburst in prison where the, I guess the victim impact statements were being read and, you know, the, the victims were telling him about, uh, you know, what they, you know, how he caused everything and the, the pain and suffering in their lives. And he had the nerve to out like say, you know, cause you're not supposed to interrupt them when they're talking. And he was like, Oh my God, this isn't fair. You know, why are you guys doing this to me? <laughs> People wanted to just what? Reach. Yeah, they wanted to reach over the side of that. Those little. No, I would have, man. I would have my temper. This isn't fair. Yep. I would have lost it. 
I'm, I'm sorry. I would have lost it, bro. The fact that the scumbag piece of trash is alive, that's not fair. They would have held me in contempt. I would have jumped over and tried to do something as quick as possible, man. For him to have the audacity to say something like that. Yep. Yeah, right. Do <sighs> you guys see the family? The Bennett family? No. You look at him up, look at him up. I don't want to. He does have that smug look. Kind of like a well, not William Defoe. William Defoe. He has a, a a little look of William Defoe. He looks like a disgusting piece of crap. Yep. Well, he is. I hope he gets it. Rotting, even though he should have been somewhere else. But I, I, and look, I know we don't wish death on anybody, but he's he crossed Monsters the line. Monsters like that don't need to be alive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some there's some pictures on here where like I gotta I gotta show you because um, uh, I have some of the crime scene photos of not not of the the the, the people that passed away, but the ones that survived. And uh, man, I mean, it, it's it's not uh, you know, it just shows you what a hammer like that could do with force. And this guy had no remorse whatsoever. He did not care obviously taking it out on kids and and people so oh, it's just rough yeah was um melissa there or vanessa yeah she was there she was there she was dealing with it with everything but um yeah i gotta show you a picture of what she looks like now and again poor thing looks like she's had it rough you know or, or had a rough life you know you could look at someone you're like damn you know like They've been through something. They've yeah, seen. And, and and it's understandable, you know, what she went through. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I'm not I'm not victim shaming at all. I'm just saying, like like, damn, you know, like or or making light of the subject. Not at all. It's just the fact that, you know, unfortunately, you go through something like that. You're not going to have an easy life, and then being tormented by freaking stupid kids on top of it. It's like that's that sucks. Well, I'm you know I'm sure she got the help that she needed at you know all these years. Yeah. yeah, she's she's in a much better place now. Thankfully, if um, you know, if you were to see like, because uh, there is a, a a video they did a video on it, but um, but other than that, I mean, man, she had to endure a lot. I mean, that stuff you just you just can't get rid of. Even at the tender age of three, it's like, damn, dude, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man, he ruined her life. Yep. Man, it's hard to come back from something like that. Mm. But that's the case. Wow. Well, thank you, Todd Fox, for breaking down that story for us. Um, very touching, um, but we appreciate that. And we want to thank you guys for listening in to your favorite trio. Um, what? <laughs> Sorry. Um, with all that being said, we're about to sign off. But before we do, want to remind you guys where you can find us go on facebook instagram and uh youtube type in grinding true crimes uh if you want to listen to us once again on your podcast screen you can find us on podbean spotify anchor itunes pandora pod Podvine, and zencaster and for those outside the u.s radio public breaker pocket cast and pod chaser so with that being said we're signing out this has been the grinding true crime with your host maddie matt along with gabby gab and 
Todd Fox. And we are out of here. Off with their wing. That's different. <laughs> and, and don't Peace. be a Johnson. <laughs> well, now I got to say something. Uh, eat your Wheaties. What? <laughs> so eat your Wheaties. <laughs> Take your knife, bro. <laughs>